0: You are listening to the Talking to the Expert series presented by the CS Mod Center for Human Growth and Development. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Gil Moore, and I'm the director of the CS Mott Center for Human Development and also the host of Talking to the Expert at the Mott Center. Uh, today, we have a fascinating subject for discussion that is men matter, how the environment affect male reproduction and their offspring. It's a pleasure to have, uh, as the expert tonight, Dr. Rick Pilsner. Uh, Thank you so much, Rick, for joining us this evening. And uh, I would like to start the conversation.
1: If you tell us a little about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, I want to thank Dr. Moore and the Mott Center for inviting me and and giving me a job as well. So (laughs) it's always very important. I, uh, just a little academic history for me, I did my uh, bachelor's at Hamlin University in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's a small liberal arts school where I studied wolf behavior. Um, I took some time off of school and decided to get back into the environment and got a, uh, received a master's in public health and PhD at Columbia University in New York City. And then I did a postdoc at the uh, University of Michigan for three years until I got my first faculty position at the University of Amherst, excuse me, University of Amherst uh, in Massachusetts. Excuse me, University of Massachusetts in Amherst. And Amherst. Thank okay. You. Yes.
0: And you're back to, to uh, Michigan. Michigan. I am back in Michigan. And we are delighted to have you with us. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, we know that this area of male fertility is extremely important, especially in an area like uh, in Detroit. So let's go to the subjects. Absolutely. So I, I was fascinated by the title that you give us, Men Matter. I always thought that we have no role.
1: So <laughs> tell me a little about what, do we have, what we are important for. Right. Well, I, I think it's very important for people to know it, it takes two to tango, right, to uh, produce a healthy offspring. If not, the, the female is, is certainly an important uh, Component of that, the female is, is carrying the baby for nine and a half months, um, and so there's been a, a really overemphasis on female reproductive health, while really the, the male has has been in the backseat. And I say, so
0: let me interrupt you, because yeah. it, it, I, I'm fascinated. You have such a wide range of interest scientifically. What really attracts you? To dedicate your academic line and your
1: research on male reproduction. Why are you interested in male reproduction? That's a great question, and I just want to let everyone know that I have no formal training in, in reproductive health, and uh, this my career has is really because of my wife. Um, we it was during my postdoc, and we were thinking about having children. At that time, my research was um, interested. In examining the environmental effects of, of of women during pregnancy, so looking at mother cord uh, cohorts, and um, you know it's always very difficult to be married to a toxicologist. So oh, I, so you I, married to a toxicologist? No, I'm married to a toxicologist. Okay, right, <laughs> right. So you know we were we were thinking about having kids, and I you know we had a conversation of okay if if we're going to be pregnant soon. You should really avoid pesticides you don't smoke that's great drink in moderation and my wife is from long island and she's a strong woman from long island and she did not miss a beat and she said well what about you <laughs> and i that was my reaction that was my reaction <laughs> I can you can read you can smoke but, i mean once you know once my sperm does its job you know i I'm hands off, right? <laughs> and so it was maybe a week or so later, I had some downtime in my office. I'm just you know, uh, looking at some research articles and realized that there's been little uh, investigation in terms of the environmental impacts on uh, for the male and reproductive health, and especially through sperm epigenetics. And we'll get into what epigenetics is in a, in a little bit, but Um, This whole career line of research is is, uh, because of my wife.
0: Fascinating. We have to thank your wife uh, (laughs) and to bring in exactly the importance that's... But we will talk about how the male is. So why don't we start from a little going basics in order to understand what is the importance of the male in the reproduction in addition to just donating the sperm and the pregnancy and so on. would you mind to introduce us to the subject of the, how the sperm is created, let's put it in this word, what you will call in
1: medical terms, spermatogenesis. Could you right. tell us a little what is that? Though? Sure. Um, I think this is a really important uh, component to really understand what my research is really focusing on, which is the preconception environmental health and how that could have long-lasting or an environmental legacy to offspring. And so I, I have a quick little slide that I brought up with the spermatogenesis, and it's, you know, before I st- studied sperm, you know, I thought sperm was just what we know of a sperm as a tail, but um, it during spermatogenesis. Uh, go back two slides. please. No, you're right. That's that's it. Yes. So what we see we on the on the left hand panel we have a. a image of the testes and the epididymis, which we'll get into in a second. Um, in the middle portion, we see the different cell types, right? So, so we're
0: seeing here is a section of the testicles. That's right. What is the reproductive organ and of the is, male? Exactly. As we compare it, we say would be in the woman, the, the ovary, ovary right? the, the, ovaries, ovaries, the ovaries, yes. As and as within as that, as you the, have the oocytes. Okay, yes. so yeah. the ovaries, the oocytes, the testicle, the sperm the male.
1: Exactly. And so what's really interesting is the whole process of spermatogenesis, it takes about 74 days. So this is a long developmental window um, that there's a lot of molecular and different changes that occur during this time. When in the female is the 30 days that you have every time
0: of ovulation. Right. Right. So you say 74 days to get a mature sperm. Right. Right.
1: Wow. And so just some fun sperm factoids. Um, we know that men produce sperm start of puberty all the way throughout life. Still produce sperm at never 90 stop years. Producing. Never stop. It may slow down, certainly at a certain age. Um, there's about 30 million sperm that reach maturity daily. Um, wow. and so that is a major difference yeah. with a female. So when a
0: woman only will have one oocyte mature, 30 million sperm we are producing Daily.
1: Daily. Wow, so it
0: really is a, it's a machine. It's a factory that a- produces sperm. A million is yeah. a lot of cells.
1: That's right, and it's important to remember that women are born with the, the number of oocytes; They cannot make any more eggs, um, whereas the male can keep on regenerating. It's a self-renewal, what we consider the self-renewal of spermatogonia and, and sperm. Um, one thing I really want to point out is within the 74-day window of, of development, 14 of those days are in the epididymis. Okay, okay so, so we have to walk us a little bit yes. because
0: epididymis sounds nice, but <laughs> I don't think everybody will even know where it is located. Right. Um, our, uh, exactly, um, Alisa will help us to point
1: where is the epididymis. It's there, yeah? Right. So uh, roughly about 60 days is when the sperm is being produced in the testes. After that, it leaves the testes and goes into the epididymis, and that's where it matures for 14 days, and that's where the sperm actually get their reproductive capacity. They gain their motility. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things going on in the epididymis, and so that's, that's a, a component of the male reproduction, spermatogenesis. People don't think about what they think. That it's just the testes,
0: yeah, but, exactly. But
1: this epididymis uh, maturation is is key to gain so uh, motility. motility.
0: Epididymus, in a way, is like the school where the, you are maturing, inducing the maturation of those of those those boys.
1: That's right. They have to do later the job that they have to do. That's right. That's right. They walk right. into that classroom. The classroom, but they learn what they need to do and how to. Um, Kind of protect themselves, and do back. they
0: acquire the motility already in the epididymis or is it before
1: that? Oh, uh, it's that's where they require that, that's where that, they, they acquire, acquire. Yes, so it's mobility. a really important step, absolutely. And the health of the epididymis, absolutely. There's some, some things that um occur post ejaculation that is called hyperactivation that occurs in the female reproductive tract. That's that, uh, so maybe liver. we can discuss later yeah. when we
0: connect how the sperm. Yeah, uh, communicate with reproductive organ and the female. Exactly. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So what so and again, in terms of the maturation we need the testicle, the testis. Um, you have a stem cell, so what is the process that is happening there?
1: Right. So that's that, that's listed as the spermatogonia. Those the spermatogonia. are the stem cells. And they go through a process called mitosis. Um, and then and the mitosis that, means what? The cell divides into two. And what's really interesting about spermatogenesis, and we'll get into this when we talk about aging, is those two cells that are divided. One is self renewed, so it goes back to that stem cell population, while the other one is committed to produce sperm. So you have the mitosis. And then it goes through two rounds of meiotic division.
0: Now you put it in as another typical word.
1: I tell you. <laughs> Biology 101.
0: Oh, my goodness. Exactly. So the meiosis, what is the end point of this meiosis?
1: So remember that most uh, cells are diploid. They carry two copies of our genome, one from your mother, one from your father. For sperm, for germ cells, you only want half of that genome. That's when so you delete the
0: maternal component. No, let's say half uh, of the component. Right, half. It's, to do it's, the not, right it's not divided
1: to a, 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 a mom component and a female. It's mom. not a. It's not and a selective. Right, it's just
0: right. decreasing the half. That's right. And um, What's really
1: interesting to know is one uh, spermatogonia produces four sperm. Four sperm. So it's very very efficient in, in that.
0: Sense. And the reservoir is interesting. That is the reason a man can continue producing for years to come. Yes, the self so
1: renewal. Right. And so you time. have this this uh, dedicated population of stem cells. Now let me ask that you that a question,
0: is. jump in because why do we need so many sperms? Why 30 million when the woman evolutionary you right. know, I'm an evolutionary guy. <laughs> so I always jump to evolution. Why in nature we make the male to produce so many sperms and then the female only one or two, depending right. on the species, right?
1: That that is a great question. Uh, we only need one, right? Exactly we, yeah, the end millions of millions of only one, right? Yeah. But this kind of gets into sperm quality, which we'll talk a little bit about. And most of the sperm that we produce, uh, humans are very inefficient at producing very good quality sperm. So a lot of the sperm that we do produce are just not equipped to fertilize or even reach the oocyte.
0: So you really need to produce a lot, so in order to have one successful. Right. I can lie. Well, you have really there,
1: there is a, comp- a healthy competition. The healthy competition. But yes, yeah, certainly there's, there's not 20 million sperm competing for the one site. A lot of them are not making it up to, making it up into the um, female reproductive mm-hmm. tract.
0: So going but still back to maybe we, I don't know if you still need that, there. there is another organ that all of us always hear about. And especially when you start aging like me, <laughs> reaching an age that uh,
1: we are concerned, the prostate. Right. What is the prostate? So, I think there's a lot of confusion. I've, I've had people, undergrads, ask this question. They are thinking that maybe the prostate is part of the testes or not. Um, if, if you're an older gentleman, you certainly, and you've had a medical or prostate exam, you certainly probably realize that the, the prostate is, is not located in the, in the testes. The testes. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a small golf-sized, golf ball-sized uh, organ that's, that's uh, situated. Uh, really, between the bladder and and the penis, and the urethra goes down through the um, the prostate, and so it's it's important in terms of prostate health. Those people that have uh, enlarged prostates, it kind of constricts their uh, urination and, yeah. and have some problems with that. Um, what and it has one of the main sources of problems in men is prostate cancer. That's right. Which
0: I hope we can talk about that in one of our. Future meat. Yeah,
1: that is not my specialty, it, but certainly it is important. <laughs> it right? is important. But I think another neglected part of the prostate that people don't think about is its contribution to seminal plasma. We we talk about sperm, right? And if you think about the entire ejaculate, the sperm only comprises of five to ten percent of all the fluid. So oh. so it's a very the sperm component is. Very small um, So much of, the,
0: much of the ejaculation is made of
1: the liquid that's coming the, the from The liquid it. from secondary wow. sex organs, mm-hmm. such as the prostate and the seminal vesicles. Together, the prostate and the seminal vesicles, which the seminal vesicles are located right near the prostate, they contribute to about 90% of the ejaculate. Okay. So people think the ejaculate is all sperm, but it's it only not- a small fraction.
0: Impressive. And do we know what is the role of the semen or in all this liquid that is contributed
1: to the prostate? What it makes,
0: what is its role in terms of the
1: the sperm? Right. It it actually provides uh, a conditioning for the sperm. It protects sperm uh, against oxidative uh, stress. It also primes the female reproductive tract. Mm -hmm. It has inflammatory markers. And I think one of the most interesting components of the seminal fluid, um, it contains what is called extracellular vesicles. Wow. Yeah. I think it, you lost it.
0: almost all of us, if you not know, a few of the experts. Oh, extracellular vesicles. What, are what language is that? <laughs> it's still in English. It's
1: still, it's still in English. English. It's still in English. Right. Okay. So, so cool. tell us a little what is extracellular vesicles? So we, we've identified these for many decades, but we never really knew their functions. They're very small components of cells that are released, and they provide cell-to-cell communication. So with the prostate and the seminal plasma, it's a way for the prostate and the seminal vesicles to communicate with the sperm. So these, these extracellular vesicles can be released by these organs and interact, and these... Extracellular vesicles contain important cargo, proteins and RNA that provide signals to the sperm to say, hey, every everybody's healthy, the environment's good, you know, let's make like it a healthy. Checkpoint. It's it's a it's check it's it certainly is. It's it's one of the last steps for the body to kind of interact and provide a signal in the sperm that could influence. And I health. suppose
0: also it's going to have an effect in the, in, the, in the female reproductive tract. Absolutely. Which I hope we will have time to discuss that aspect. Sure. But I see that we're getting a few questions from the public. Um, those, uh, maybe they, you want to talk now about the age, or we leave a little later about the age. Um, I think there is a question that maybe isn't in relation to what we're talking. As sperm counts have dropped precipitously since 1950. What are the major causes of this? Is phytoestrogen consumption
1: to, to be a cause, on how large? Right. So there was a recent meta-analysis r- uh, published, I believe, about two, three years ago, that in, certainly in the last 50 years, there's been almost a 50 or 60% drop in sperm concentration in Western, in Western developed, developed countries. So this is a dramatic drop in sperm number. And Which will be impact also in the success of uh, getting pregnant, the right? Right, yes, absolutely. And what, what is driving this? We don't really know, mm-hmm. but you have to think about it as such a large decline over a relatively short period. You talk about period, evolution, right? Exactly. Right? I mean, at this 50 years? Yep. That's so it, years. It, it cannot be strictly genetic. No. So it must be some sort of environmental um, what that is exactly, we're not necessarily certain. Uh, I study a class of endocrine-disrupting compounds. Oh, you so that's, yeah.
0: that's what, what we like to right. discuss more. A little bit. Yeah, main, exactly. Yeah.
1: Before Let's put a
0: base, okay. because I already see that we are going to a very interesting aspect. Yeah. So before we continue to answer some of the questions, let me ask you another basic concept. Yeah. Uh, there is always, when we talk about infertility, for centuries, we always blame women mm-hmm. on the infertility problems. And I remember even when I was in medical school, there were a couple that would come with infertility. We will only focus on doing all kinds of exams to the woman, everything. We will never look at the male, never. What is male infertility?
1: Well. Really, we, what we focus now, which I'm hoping that my research will actually change some of this, is male infertility, we're focusing on sperm quality parameters. Okay, so this is looking at an ejaculate, and you're measuring the total sperm, you're measuring the motility of sperm, so that, that is how sperm moves,
0: yeah.
1: Right, which is very important because sperm has to find its way, to the oocyte, and you're also measuring morphology. So this is how sperm look. It's it's not uncommon to see sperm with two tails, um, mm-hmm. large heads. Um, most sperm is so, somewhat in abnormal. In the sperm, looking is important. Sperm, yes, the looks <laughs> of sperm is important. Uh, looks is and it. and most sperm don't look very good. Uh huh. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. We'll put it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So you know, that's that's one focus on what we classically and clinically define um, male infertility is really looking at these uh, World Health Organization standards or cutoffs on these really these three parameters: sperm concentration, sperm motility, as well as its morphology. So, if
0: I understand correctly, what you're explaining to us is. Even though the man will be able to ejaculate and have sperms, it doesn't mean that he will be fertile. Absolutely. Yeah? So Absolutely. we have to look at the quality of the sperm that the man, and the number. What is the basic number that you we, could we, we call a still a man fertile or not?
1: The concentration, so this is per milliliter of ejaculate, is 15. Million sperm, so that that is the is the cutoff, cut right? So below if that, then you'd be considered infertile. Infertile, infertile. right? See. But one thing you always have to think about as well is semen parameters. Yeah, i heard about to the to semen parameters. Yeah. Right?
0: would you explain a little more? What is the meaning of looking at semen parameters? Because always what I was aware is you count the number of sperms Yeah. If it's too low, that's not good. If it's high, if you're okay. Semen
1: parameters, we haven't followed much. Yeah, semen parameters, um, you know, my job as a researcher, I'm trying to move past looking at semen parameters and diagnosing male infertility by using these kind of old archaic ways of doing this. We've been using semen parameters to diagnose male infertility for 50, 60 plus years, and things have not changed. Mm -hmm. However, there's Amazing. been, there's been a, a huge, in the last two decades, especially in the last 10 years, there's been a huge change in the molecular toolkit that we have and we're not harnessing any of that data to really come up with novel biomarkers or markers of male reproductive health as well as um, offspring. So let me see if I
0: understand what you say So we can have somebody who has the, the normal number of the sperms, and they still be infertile.
1: That's right. That's called idiopathic infertility. And that could be associated
0: with the markers that you see in the
1: semen. That's right. Oh,
0: fascinating. That's right.
1: So idiopathic uh, infertility is your semen parameters are normal, but you still cannot get pregnant. Uh-huh. Okay. So they, idiopathic is unknown cause. But something is wrong in the semen then. Or I mean, the, the semen or the sperm that were not capturing by the these, these uh, sperm parameters.
0: I want to, again, um, invite everybody, if you have questions, continue putting your questions in the chat. If somebody would like also to bring a question directly, you can unmute, and, uh, and please bring, uh, join us in the conversation. Also to those who are attending directly here, because now we have uh, things that are improving, so we have also public attending the, uh, our meeting. Uh, please feel free to bring questions um, in the conversation. Uh, it's a pleasure to have with us tonight, Dr. Rick Pelsnet, an expert in male fertility and environment. And that's a subject that I think we should, I would like to start moving uh, forward now that we understand a lot of questions. What are, what are the factors that will affect male fertility? And I see we have one question from, the public can a stress impact the quality of the sperm. I don't know exactly what it means stress. Maybe the person who put the question can uh, uh, define
1: more. But it's stress in general, yes, psychosocial stress, stress in general, certainly any. Uh, there's a whole host of different environmental factors that could influence um, male reproductive health. And one thing I, I think is important to to note is how we define the environment, yeah, right? So the way that I look at the environment is anything that's not genetic. So mm-hmm. within that, that encapsulates, you have nutrition, right? you have chemical exposures, which is part of my research, what I focus on, but there's also societal effects as well, neighborhood effects, the you know, access to fresh fruit and vegetables. So a lot of different things, play a role and stress is one of this components, psychosocial stress certainly has an impact in, in infertility. Um it's been under understudied in the male, but this is something that really we should be looking at. So
0: you were telling us is what the and still we haven't get in the conception part. But it's just in the health of the of the male. Uh, so what we eat, what whether we smoke or don't smoke, what we drink and re- we have an effect on the quality of our sperms.
1: Yes, but the quality is one thing. If we talk about sperm quality, I would also like to bring up the, the idea of epigenetics. Oh, yes. that's another word that yes. we have to go through that. Yes, yeah. indeed. And this is, this is what my lab focuses on. We, have, we run an environmental epigenetics lab. So and, that, yeah. Yep. And so this,
0: that is, would be more to the long-term effect in pregnancy and so on.
1: It, it could have downstream long-term effects of the health development of, of offspring. Certainly. we will go to that. I still
0: yes. think we are in the discussion of the the males and the sperms right. because i i am I, I want to jump on yeah. how it effect on the pregnancy and in the babies in the future. but I think we have another question uh, please so
1: are there supplements or medications to counteract any negative? Not that I'm truly aware of. There's been a lot of research on antioxidants. Um, There's been a large trial in uh, NICHD at NIH. um, It's done a large trial on zinc and um, folic acid supplementation. Um, From my understanding, there's been no effects on sperm parameters. Interesting. Uh, this is an area we know very little. You know? Right, right, right. But it's not all about the sperm parameters. I want people to to move away sp- from the it's sperm. It's not
0: then okay. It's yes. not only that. It's yes. not so simple.
1: It's it's not as simple. It's there's, more complex.
0: Yes. So before we still we are in the in the sperm does the age of the individual has an impact on the quality of the sperm?
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh yes, yes. So there's. There's a few different things that we could bring up with age. Um, Certainly, uh, actually, I do have a slide on on aging. And it really gets back to this, what we consider the self-renewal of spermatogonia, the the, um, stem cell for sperm. It's the self-renewal that happens. And so one more, next slide, please. So the spermatogonia divide every 16 days, yeah, and then it's recycled. One of those two cells is recycled and back. Maintaining the and reserve they, that we exactly, exactly. So you can imagine that if you do some calculations, that a 40-year-old man, the spermatogonia have divided about 700 times. Oh my goodness! And so, what's is that a problem? Well, yes, because these any kind of mutations. Or epigenetic errors that occur during this mitotic division of the spermatogonia can be carried forward and Mm -hmm. and can accumulate. So it's been known that older men have a higher risk of fathering children with autistic, autism, and schizophrenia, so more neural development. Okay, so
0: that is extremely important because, again, everybody thinks that. Only is the, the old side of the woman, when gets old, she, if she gets pregnant, then she's going to have a baby with complications. Right. And men, we can have babies, babies until we are 100 years old, and the babies will be healthy, blonde, and nice-looking.
1: So yeah. you're telling me that's not true? That is, there's a higher risk of having uh, children with uh, neurodevelopmental problems. It has nothing other to do concerns. with the mother. It has nothing to do with, with the mother.
0: Very, very interesting. So, um, you you mentioned a lot this word, epigenetics. Can you tell us a little, what is the meaning of epigenetics? Because what we know is, you know, we have our genes. I got the genes from my father and my mother, and all my life, and the love of my children is going to determine by my genes. Just mentioning this this word of epigenetics, what is the difference between the genetics and the epigenetics?
1: So if you just take the root word, epi, what does it mean? It means above, okay? So you can think about epigenetics as above genetics. And a really easy way to explain this is everybody, every cell within our body has the same genome, right? Yeah. Our neurons, our liver cells, our muscle cells. Which is where we got from my father and from my mother. Right. Yeah, right. that's what I mean. Right. But our neurons behave very differently than our liver cells or our heart cells, right? But if we have the same genome, how do we how, how 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 do you make different cell types? Yeah. And so this is really what epigenetics is. There's certain tags, and I have a slide on this as well. There's certain tags that could go on to DNA. That's called DNA methylation. Or the way DNA is wrapped around certain proteins called histones.
0: Uh huh. So
1: histones is what? There, there are these proteins that um, help compact uh, DNA. Our DNA within yeah. within so, the nucleus. Okay, right? so it's like the boxes that keep in all the the that's, genomic material. That's right. Okay. That's right. So really, the the two major mechanisms is DNA methylation and histone modification. Mm-hmm and together they act in concert to turn genes on and off. Uh-huh. So that's where you get different cell types because certain cells are expressing or have a gene on versus a gene off. I see. Well, the classic definition of, of epigenetics is changes in gene expression without changes in DNA sequence, but that's kind of a, a mouthful. I think the analogy of just thinking about different cell types and how they behave your neurons behave very differently than your liver cells.
0: And these epigenetic modifications, what you were saying, they are affected by the environment. So now we learned in school that we always transfer the, the genes to our children. Right. What about the changes, the epigenetic changes? Do we transfer also those changes to our children?
1: Yep, this is, this is where kind of the cutting edge, edge research is, is, is going right now. We're, we're looking at how these epigenetic marks can be inherited. And so we thought 20 years ago that it was all genetic inheritance. Exactly. Which, which it is, majority of it is. But there is a possibility to uh, inherit different epigenetic marks that are shaped by the environment. So, an in, in example for sperm, during this during spermatogenesis, which is 74 days, different environmental exposures during that time period mm-hmm. can have long-lasting effects on the offspring mm. through epigenetic changes.
0: So, those adaptations that Darwin was mentioning, uh, the size of the wings and other things, it's not only genetics, it can be also environmental that change the epigenetic modification. Right. But going back to the sperm, and I think this is critical. So that means that what we do in our lives, in terms of good or bad, and let's go for the bad things. If I smoke, or if I live in a place where is environmental pollution, mm-hmm. those things may change my epigenomic. Let's call can we call it like yes, that? Yes. And then those those things will lead also to affect my
1: children? Absolutely. Wow. So tell me a little more about your research in that area. Yeah, so my research looks at endocrine-disrupting compounds. And so the endocrine system is is hormones. So there's different, uh, it's a broad class of environmental toxicants. I study phthalates in in particular. They're a class of EDCs. I hope that the people know what is phthalates. phthalates. They don't know. The public well, key... You know, no, I'm, 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 get, I'm getting there. Please, I'm getting saying, that. Please. <laughs> yes, yes. So, phthalates are a broad class of chemicals. You can find them in pretty much anywhere in your house. Um, really? there, there's high molecular weight phthalates, And phthalates is, it's a tricky word to spell. It's P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-S. So, it's, it's a, a unique word. But the high molecular weight phthalates are vinyl, vinyl fluorine. Any, any vinyl products are made almost exclusively out of Those phthalates. are
0: plastic bottles, or where do you find them? More no vinyl flooring, your flooring, shower curtain,
1: okay. um, uh, toys. Any malleable plastic can be made made of phthalates as okay. well. They've they've taken phthalates out of toys uh, these days. Uh, another the second class of phthalates are low molecular weight phthalates, and they act as stabilizers in uh, perfumes and uh, personal care products. So if you wear a lot of personal care products for men, aftershave, a uh, shaving lotion with Cool Breeze scent, these things, uh, those, those artificial scents are stabilized by phthalates. Oh so my you're, goodness. you're actually putting on anti-hormones in a way, anti-testosterone wow. uh, um, chemicals into your body.
0: And then I remember, I mean, it was very popular that very- it you would walk in a room and every man had a different smell that it was impossible to breathe sometimes. And Scott, now I don't feel that it's the case now. Right. So very, very, very important. We have a question here. Do we know anything about how environmental factors like air pollution or viral infection, COVID-19, a patient's got, it, affect male fertility and fetal development? Because, you know, all the infections, we talk only about the mother, the mother, the mother. Right. What about if the man is infected, like COVID-19
1: That's, or any other viral infection? Right. Yeah, I think there's absolutely a possibility that that could have long-term effects on the offspring. Uh, I do not know any studies right now looking specifically at the sperm epigenome or those contributions. I think it's still too early, right? Uh-huh. We're still just getting out of COVID. I think that data is being collected now. Yeah. Yeah. So it may be a few years until we get, get that data. Certainly, if we switch to air pollution, um, there's, there's definitely an influence or an increased risk if you live near, um, closer to a highway, for an example. Really? Um, to have more uh, poor even parameters so, and possibly...
0: Sorry to interrupt. So we see the, the the environment will affect the, infer- infer- the fertility the of the man, but it can induce epigenetic modifications that will have an impact then in the quality of the pregnancy, for
1: example, or oh, right? in the health of the baby. Right. There's two aspects of that. Yes. yes. Does it influence reproductive success? Is someone having a live birth? Yes or yes. no? That's absolutely critical. But then the future, the trajectory could really offset the trajectory of normal health and development of, of the offspring. So I think this is kind of an important aspect of. It's it's not about just the mother. It's yeah. about the father and how to get a healthy sperm.
0: So, you know, again, my, my training as I we always thought that all the pregnancy complications is because either the mother was doing something wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. but what you're telling me, but we're well, at least extracting from the information that you giving us is that maybe some pregnancy complications, and not only due to what the mother
1: was was doing. And we also what the father contributes. Oh, absolutely! And again, when I started this this talk, off, it takes two to tango. It takes two and, to tango. And yeah. if you think about uh, the process of spermatogenesis, that it takes two and a half months. Yeah. Men have an environmental responsibility too, um, prior to conception, and that's yeah. that's where I think uh, we we think about the health of the baby only after conception. And we now know okay, that, that the is preconception not... period is, is the earliest important period. And it can be as
0: critical right. for, for uh,
1: the success of the Absolutely. Absolutely. So men need to step up. They need to have an environmental responsibility. And it starts at least two and a half months prior to conception. At least. At least. least. Really but if not even more. So, because
0: I have seen, of old friends, oh, I can smoke, no. I can drink, I can do whatever I want. Reproduce, and that's my my problem. Is my responsibility is right, gone? Right, right. We have been doing a major
1: damage. It possibly, absolutely, it's it, it's certainly, um, it, it, the cards are there. So we have a, a question
0: here. Let's see, we can go. there's a long question. Um, hormonal stress, cortisol, adrenaline slows the growth of embryos and the stem cells, uh, in the in the lab in the petri dish. Environmental biochemical stressors uh, also slow growth. Together, the two types of stress, synergistically slow growth, are very similar synergistic effects at the level of Uh You will have to explain a little what is synergistics and of course, in the sperma- spermatogonic. Right, right. right. Well,
1: sy- synergistics is mm-hmm. the combined effect that is not additive, just not. 2 plus 2 equals 4, but maybe yeah. 2 plus 2 or 2 times 2 is, is 8, <laughs> right? Um, so there's different hormonal stress, right? Um, the question is, is getting back to slowing the growth of the embryo. Um, one one uh, really key finding for my lab is going back to the phthalates. We've showed that preconception phthalate exposure in males, irrespective of the female exposures influences embryo quality at day five. So the blastocyst quality, which is then, this is, my study was uh, through an IVF clinic. So we have these very detailed um, morphological um, characteristics of the embryo, but we, we show that male exposures to these phthalates can influence the quality of the embryo.
0: Even if the mother is healthy, is is right. isolated from the exposure of that, if the father was exposed, it will in, in, impact the, the baby.
1: Right. Well, the, we we control the for MD. the levels. Right. We control for the levels of the, the female uh, phthalates as yeah. well. So um, that's that's a very important aspect of this. And within that same study, we showed that the same phthalate metabolites. These are anti androgenic phthalates. Anti androgenic. Like, okay. Yes, yes.
0: Explain a little the meaning of the anti androgenic.
1: Yes. What are androgens, right? Androgens are, you think about testosterone, oh, Right. Are, yeah. are male hormones. Right, which are very important for spermatogenesis. Yeah. But certain phthalates are considered anti Androgenic, So we the They, they, right, they, their... they reduce testosterone levels. Oh. So these, these phthalates exposures that we had in males influenced sperm epigenetics, uh-huh. and then also, then downstream, influenced embryo development. Hmm. And when we looked at which genes that the epigenome was changed based on these phthalate exposures we found that most of the genes were in pathways for early life development. So it oh made, a, made a so lot of So the early sense.
0: stages of the, the development of the embryo, uh, the formation of all the organs of the future baby, are determined for the health of the male.
1: It, That's what it, you're they, telling us? They're contributing. The male is contributing but to it has an important bed. role. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So whatever we did before the conception will impact how our baby is going to be better. That's right, that's right. Fascinating, fascinating. So um, that is when exactly, I think you covered one of the questions that I have here, how the healthy sperm contributes to a healthy baby. I don't know if you want to add something else in this, or or you think we have covered this aspect?
1: Yeah, I I think we've covered it pretty well. Men have an environmental responsibility. You need to get your sperm in the shape Before you start conceiving, right? So, planning a pregnancy, I think, is very important as well. Fantastic. So, we age, we
0: talk about aging and so on. Is the same thing our age, our, our chronological age, or the sperm age? What is
1: sperm age? That's a great question. And there's been a movement in the last five, 10 years of not thinking about age. As chronological age, right? Mm-hmm. We think that you know one year is one orbit around the sun. Yeah. Does that really predict disease? Right? Because you can imagine all the all your friends that you went to high school with, they're the same age. Yeah. But people get different diseases at different times. True. So is it just chronological age or is there a better way to think about age? And and what I think about age is more biological age. So not, mm-hmm. not chronological age in a way, but how old your cells are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very important concept is we, we overemphasize on chronological age, but what, what is captured in biological age that's not captured in chronological age is your lifestyle okay. and some genetics as well. So, if you or are. Or epigenetics. Smoke, well, that's <laughs> how we measure it. We'll get to that yeah, in okay, a bit. Okay. But you think about someone who smokes, who drinks often, um, that has a very poor diet, their biological age is likely mismatched with their chronological age, meaning if they're, they are 35 years old, their biological age maybe is 40. Oh, and my so we've actually. Um, research that we're ready to publish and, and put in a provisional patent for, we've looked at sperm aging and yeah. we've come up with an algorithm that can calculate your sperm age. Wow. So, in another words, we would
0: now I was uh, generalizing that you have a 60 or 70 years old man, and I thought, okay, those are sperms that all old, that is not good. But if you're telling me you can have a, a 70 years old or 60 years old man, and Maybe also in, have a sperm age that is young, or healthy, based on what he does. Right. Or and the opposite.
1: Absolutely.
0: A 60-year-old may have an 80-years-old sperm age. Right. Right. With the consequences of that. Right. It.
1: Or more importantly, those those folks that are in reproductive years that are, are trying to have families, those in their 30s, say yeah. for example, their sperm may be 40 years old, maybe a decade, or 50, or 50 years, years old, or 50 years old, which is not very right. good. And what we found in our study is that those men that have an older sperm age, that means older than their chronological age by one year or more, have almost a 40% reduction in. Reproductive success, Amazing. in getting pregnant. Wow. So this is not accounting for anything measured in the female besides female age and BMI. We're not looking at the reproductive BMI. History you mean the, of the, the, the weight? Right, of the, the weight. weight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're not we're not looking at any of the female reproductive um, history of the women, but we have this this marker, this sperm age, that could predict reproductive success very strongly. Impressive, impressive. Right. So the age kind of, so. How do we keep
0: a young sperm?
1: <laughs> Exercise, nutrition. I, Don't tell me a diet. <laughs> my wife now is going right. to demonstrate that you have to keep a diet when yes. I was younger. Right. <laughs> it, it, it always reminds me of uh, one of Michael Pollan's books um, that's, you know, when we go to the grocery store, we want to stay always on the outside of, of the grocery store. This is where the fruit is, the vegetables, the eggs, the milk. All those aisles in the middle are processed food and canned food and things. So if we have a healthier uh, lifestyle, that likely is avoided going to processed food. Right. Right. But the right. meat is okay. Wow. Really. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> Don't answer that no question. Don't oh, answer that question.
0: <laughs> like everything else. Uh, excellent. Um, how are we doing with time? I think we are fine. We have a still a few questions coming there. If are environmental factors affecting genetic or epigenetic changes. I think we mentioned a little, but mm-hmm. it would be great if you can define and differentiate. What are the effects in terms of the genetics and what are the effects in the epigenetics? How do we differentiate that?
1: Right, and it goes back to the self-renewal of spermatogonia. If there's these epigenetic, or excuse me, um, mutations, mutations that occur, yeah. um, they will accumulate over time. and then. That means that the next generation of sperm that's being produced 16 days later, they are all harboring that uh, genetic mutation. So these these mutations will accumulate over time. That's why older fathers are at higher risk for having uh, offsprings offspring with, with different different complications. Exactly, uh-huh. and and the same is with the with the epigenome as well. And I, I and this this idea of this. Uh, sperm age I think could be a novel way to look at reproductive but success let
0: me go back to the sperm age and sorry I jump to the fact of how do you determine the, the age
1: right so there's a trick in that oh yes it's all it's all magic, <laughs> it's all magic. Yes, yes. so there there are um, certain regions that we we know that change the epigenome with age. Okay. Okay. And this is sperm specific. So it's not not for all the other cells in your body, but just for sperm. So we, we take those areas or those markers, these epigenetic changes, and we throw them into a computer algorithm system um, I have a collaborator, Laura Balzer. She's a biostatistician at University of Massachusetts in Amherst that mm-hmm. has really driven that aspect, the computational side. And what it does is out of our 10,000 potential markers, it picks 140 or so that best predict chronological age and these environmental, wow. or excuse me, reproductive outcomes. So if I understand what you're telling us,
0: is that you can take the 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 made up of the specific sperm and then based on the, what is expressing what is the content you can determine if it's a young sperm a mid-term sperm
1: or right, an old right. sperm right. Yeah. exactly and and this i think is is really interesting because this could offer um, couples an easy way to inform their course of treatment, if, if necessary. Yeah. If, if couples are wanting to get pregnant immediately, this could be an opportunity for them to be informed on, well, maybe we should get uh, reproductive assistant tech technologies and go through IVF instead of trying to um, uh, reproduce naturally. Yeah. So
0: uh, the other aspect that we have of this is those environmental factors. Well, we covered the capacity of the reproduction. But you mentioned, let's go now, let's move to the part of uh, when Mars meets with Venus, yeah? when the male meets the female. Um, what is the role of the female reproductive organ in terms of the activity of the
1: sperm? Okay. So there's, there's certain um, hormones that are within the female reproductive tract that actually stimulate what we call hyperactivation and acetation of sperm, oh. so they make the sperm tail hypermodal. So to start swinging swimming faster, faster, right. faster and faster and faster. Where's the competition, the race starts? Right, that's, yeah. that, that's it. So,
0: and that, that race is activated or, or initiated, you say, by, by factors produced by the female. In female,
1: absolutely. So that's where that, that's critical component of natural conception is the female um, interaction with the sperm okay. as well. And, and we talked about seminal plasma, The uh, another role of seminal plasma yeah. is inflammatory gonna... markers that that kind of give a signal to the female reproductive tract of, well this is a foreign cell, but let's not attack it and kill it. Oh. It's, it's maybe here for so they... beneficial reason and we should mm-hmm. welcome the sperm in versus having it more of an immune response and and thinking it's a, a foreign. And, and that's what we discussed, I think, in
0: one of our meetings that uh, the baby is a foreign body, but really the whole recognition starts when the sperm comes into the female reproductive brain. But also, the uterus needs to be wake up or activated to have the baby. That's
1: right. Well, we call that kind of priming in the a way. The seminal, of the
0: uterus. seminal. And that seminal you say priming. will be the semen. Yes. yes. And the signals coming. This, ex, ex, what you call this, uh, endo exonuclear, exon- ex, extracellular Extracellular vegetables. vesicles, yeah. yes. yes. Do you think they have a role in this priming of the. Um-
1: I, I think so. The research at this component, at this stage, it, again, this this research is in its infancy, that people are just looking at how it affects sperm and embryo development within mm-hmm. that small context, but no one mm-hmm. has really looked at extracellular vesicles in seminal fluid and how it contributes to, say, an immune response. We should look at that. Hey, you're the exactly. expert.
0: Sorry, we're doing the immunology. That's what okay. we do for living. We right. have to talk about this after this meeting. Okay. If 30 million sperm, 15 million sperms have been delivered in, in the vagina or the female reproductive tract start going up. One is the only one.
1: Winner, and takes, lucky winner. winner
0: takes it all. What it makes that? How do you control that? From
1: thirty million, it's only one that will do the job. That's that's how nature rolls. It's it's a it's a hard drive, uh, getting all the way up there, and so there is a selection process. Yes, evolutionary you're selecting for the best one. The, the one that has yes, the the sperm that is in the best shape. The we're, best shape put it that way, but not just morphology or morphologically, but also you have to think about the signals within that that epigenome. That's, I think, contributing to this as well. So that brings me to
0: now a more, um, I don't know how to say, ethical question and so on. When we deal with infertility and when we have a patient, a male patient who's infertile, still is producing sperm, and you're correct, the low number. And we take those sperms, and we do something that's called ICSI. Mm-hmm. So we just pick one sperm, and we introduce in the
1: O-site. What are we doing? That, that is getting away from the sperm race, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, we are not selecting I mean, there is no there is methods to select the best sperm. They certainly... Isolate sperm with the best motility and and try to. But you tell me that doesn't mean it's the best sperm. That's so right. we're guessing anyway. That's right. So that's where we need to uh, look at our lecture like toolkit and see if. That's we when your idea. aging right. would be very important. Right. right. Okay. So there's, I think there's, there's needs to be an advance in, in how we view healthy sperm, and it's just not how it looks. It's not how it, it moves, or how many we have. So we have a long way in order
0: to help the male fertility. So ICSI really is not, I'm going to get in trouble with what I'm going to say. (laughs) You correct me. So it is a fantastic technology that you can pick one sperm and put it inside of the oocyte and then to do the IVF transfer. We are breaking the rules of nature, that is the natural selection.
1: We've been doing that for hundreds of years with farming and, and picking that one plant that is producing the, the biggest, best tomatoes and, and selecting and selecting. So, but in that. So, there is
0: another step that will do the selection if we did something wrong, picking, or if nature by accident, uh, the winner was a bad one. Great. Right. <laughs> that could be problematic. That could be it. But there is potentially. Uh, in the different stages of the embryogenesis or the development of the embryo when nature will
1: determine whether things are going well or not right right and and i think that we've gained a lot of insight with ibf technologies and and you know using icsi that we could kind of monitor how embryo development that process is, is going and and hopefully that translates into a healthy baby.
0: fascinating i think we learn a lot tonight. I, I still, I, at least I learned a lot. Especially this aspect of the aging, the of the sperm aging is fascinating. Uh, congratulations. Um, so we had an incredible evening learning about the role of the men in the preconception and its impact on the health of the pregnancy, first of all, but also in the future health of the individual. It's not only the genes that we are passing, uh, the genes that came from our fathers and from generations, is also how our behavior before preconception is going to affect the quality of the genes that we are going to transfer, those epigenetic modifications. So that can summarize all what you taught us tonight, is uh, we have as males a responsibility for generations to come for the good and for the bad. So how we prepare ourselves in terms of maintaining the male health uh, before the preconception and the preconception life will have an impact, not only in our children, but in the children of our children, generations down the road. absolutely. absolutely. I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. It was a fascinating evening. Uh, And I hope also everybody who uh, assisted enjoy and learn the subject to be continuous. There will be new things that we would like to expand. But I think for tonight, we want to just introduce the general concept. Great, Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, let me remind you that this session has been recorded and it will be uh, presented in the podcast. As well as it uh, will be available in the uh, media, uh, Face uh, Facebook and Alisa. Uh, what other and YouTube. So if uh, you miss or any of your friends would like to follow this uh, this uh, presentation, uh, they can go to the media and and look at it. Thank you very much, and uh, let me remind you that we will not have um, the activities of the meet the expert during the summer. We want to wish you uh, an enjoyable summer. I think after the pandemic, this is the summer that everybody wants to go out to the beach. So I recommend you and be healthy, right. yeah, exercise. We'll be coming back in the month of September, that is the month of ovarian cancer. And we will discuss about about ovarian cancer and meet the expert in the month of September. Thank you very much again. Thank you, Um, Dr. Moore. We'll see you later.
1: All right.